In your face. Well, Mistress Jane is the author of The Dominatrix Next Door and she joins us on the line. Jane, welcome to the show. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you. I love your book and congratulations on it, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been crazy. It's been a wild journey since you decided (laughs) to become a dominatrix. What led you to make that decision? Yeah, look, literally story of my life, this this craziness. Um, bizarrely enough, um, my background's actually in children's entertaining. I've been a camp leader all my life. I found myself um, as a single mum, struggling a little bit financially and needed a side hustle. Um, and I thought, well, children's entertainer would be the obvious bit. Maybe I could do that on the weekend. Um, found that that market was completely flooded completely saturated. So, you know, went on my little research rabbit hole and thought, okay, well, what about adult parties? What do hens parties need? Well, okay, what if um, what if we try and cash in on this Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon that was happening at the time? So this is about 12 years ago. Um, maybe we could do a dominatrix party, but I got no idea how to do that, right? At that stage, I didn't. I thought, okay, I need some training. Um, so I sought it out. I sought out the Melbourne very underground kink community, um, got fully trained up, started running my business, and that just snowballed. So one thing led to another. Before you know it, people, because you look the part and you're playing the part and you're trained in the part, um, the community and, and the, the broader community just decided that I was the real deal and I became it, basically, um, which blew my mind. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you were really surprised at how much demand <laughs> there was for your services <laughs> yeah. as a dominatrix. Yeah, I really entered with such wide-eyed. I really knew nothing about what I was getting myself into to start with. <laughs> I learned, though. I learned a lot. But, yeah, there's absolutely a demand. There's, there is a shortage in the world of um, of dominant women, it appears. <laughs> so why does that demand exist? Like, what's going on there? Oh, gosh. Okay. So, yeah, statistically, they say both men and women prefer a submissive role in a relationship or in the bedroom especially because that submissive role is the one that gets to surrender and gets to get spoiled and treated and taken care of. Um, and the dominant role is the responsible role. You know, you're usually organising things. You've got the ideas, you're putting the scene together. You're really taking care of your partner. So, I mean, it, it stands to reason why people would rather take a load off and be that submissive. Um, whereas uh, that's not my natural inclination, actually. My natural inclination is to run the show, be organised, be the one that, you know, pulls it all together. So uh, lucky for me, um, I was in the minority So, and still am, I guess. So it's about people wanting to be loved in this high-pressure world, a high-pressure yeah. world where perhaps they do have a lot of responsibility, where they have to be that organiser, where there are other people who really are dependent on them. And so they turn to a dominatrix so they can be spoilt and loved and, yeah. and submissive. Yeah, it really is the way of the world just in general these days. I mean, the the stereotype is that most people who seek out a dominatrix are your high-powered executives. 
But really, it's all walks of life. And because really, when you think about it, all walks of life are under a lot of pressure in in the day-to-day. So really, um, people from all over are seeking out dominance who can just take care of them for a little while and let them let go. You mentioned the training to be a dominatrix. Tell us a bit about it. How long did it take and what was involved? Okay, so traditionally um, a a dominatrix would train under another dominatrix um, at a proper dungeon. It's it's an apprenticeship, if you like, and it would take up to a year of working pretty much for nothing. And traditionally you would start off as, slave to that dominatrix and learn that role until you slowly get to flip it uh, and and learn your skills in order of, you know, the easiest ones to the harder ones. Because I was a single mum that had lots of responsibilities, I couldn't dedicate a whole year. Um, So I was doing workshops, individual ones. And around Melbourne, there are a heap of people offering single, singular or longer workshops in the particular skills you want. So if you want to learn ropes, for example, there are, we call them rope dojos. Scattered around Melbourne, you can learn just how to use rope for shibari. Or if you want to learn impact play or spanking, you can do a workshop just for that. So I, I guess, um, pulled together a bespoke um, order of training for myself, learning just what I needed for my hands parties plus things I had a personal interest in. Um, and that included uh, training with professional dominatrixes, but also other mentors, people that have been in the community for a long time, and then just doing professional workshops. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of training, and professional dominatrixes are continually training. They're continually upping their skills and learning new things. It's, um, yeah, it's a lot that goes into being a professional, that's for sure. So what does a dominatrix do at a hen's party? Oh, <laughs> so for me, it was very easy, very light. So I'm, I'm working with women who are otherwise uh, not, um, not, I guess, indoctrinated yet. So uh, my course, my workshop would be about an hour and a half and I would teach basic um, bondage with rope, some basic spanking, uh, some basic what we call uh, sensation play. So that's blindfolds and looking at what you can use around the house to um, heighten your partner's sensation while they're blindfolded. And then we pull it all together at the end and create a role play or a scene that could incorporate your rope and your spanking and, you know, how to really... um, I guess, apply it to something fun for the bedroom. And, you know, at all these hands, they're having their champagne and they're having such a giggle and it really wasn't hard work. So really all I needed was the basics, but you know, to, to go further, to become a professional, there's a lot more involved. Do you remember your first gig as dominatrix and what can you tell us about it? I can I can my my very first hands party was in a, a hotel suite in the city um I had a room full of ladies and they were a little bit hard to crack I gotta say because <laughs> my personality I think is naturally you know quite energetic and happy and positive 
And I think I was getting a few sideways glances, to be honest. They really didn't know what to make of me. Obviously, they'd never seen anything like me before because there's no one else out there doing what I was doing. Um, and I was a bit unnerved. <laughs> but then as I kept going, and I'd, I'd find that when, from one hen's party to the next, you never know what you're walking into. But on the whole, they were raucous. They were absolutely unhinged, most of these hens. Um, but then from there, from from being a, a hen's party person, I started getting other gigs. So I started getting offered theatrical work and event work just to even roam the crowd and be in character because I had some excellent outfits and, you know, people believe that you are what you present as. Um, so I got to have a lot of fun with things outside of hen's parties once people got to know who I was and what I was doing. Has there been a gig as a dominatrix that you kind of, you know, remember as being the highlight, like, you know, that great gig where it was just magic? Has there been a standout? (laughs) There was. There was, actually. um, So the one I'll always remember was um, we performed in the Melbourne Fringe Festival. We had a, a production called Erotic Bedtime Stories for Adults. And it was a huge ensemble cast of all um, feminine characters. And what you could do, it was immersive theatre. So you could move through this two-storey building and in every single room, a different story was being performed or told. And I had a couple of roles there. So um, one of my first roles was I was door person. I was on the door, dressed head to toe in my PVC and corsets and I had a a human puppy with me, and we were checking everybody as they walked in and setting setting the vibe, I guess. So we would tell everybody to check their shame at the door, check your phone. And then once everyone was in, I would run and do a quick costume change into my nun outfit, and then I would take up residence in one of the change rooms of the store we were working in, and I'd run, I'd run confession as uh, Sister Jane. And wow. then... Halfway between, they'd, they'd ring a bell and everyone would need to change rooms and then I'd do a quick costume change again and I would become Mistress Jane with her puppy again. And it was just delightful because it was interactive. I got to interact with the, with the, the whole crowd. I got to speak to them. It was improvisation. It was um, just freaking people out in general, which I absolutely have a punch a on for. So, um, yeah, that one was a lot of fun. Are more people entering the dominatrix field, especially as we've had law reforms in Victoria? Yes. Yes, good question. Look, I can only speak anecdotally on that, but I think even with the the birth of the internet, when people started being able to be their own bosses and just work kind of privately, that saw a little bit of a change in the industry. Um, Melbourne only has one operating dungeon left because of all of the restrictions and rules. But now that things have opened up, which really only happened, I think, beginning of this month, um, we're expecting to see um, more people not... mm, Maybe even not so much more people working, but more people being able to safely work. What would happen traditionally is a lot of dominatrixes would move to Sydney where the rules made it safer for them to operate. 
So I expect we'll have a few of those people come back down to Melbourne now that our rules have caught up. Um, yeah, the um, the law reform, the second tract of law reforms, kicked in on the seventh of December. That yes. must make it easier for people to work because they can they can actually, you know, um, entertain at their homes. They don't have to just do outbound calls, for example. Yeah, yeah, and look, I'm sure plenty of that was happening. You know, I guess what would we say un- undercover before, but now there's protection for doing it. And that will, that will encourage more people, I guess, to feel safer doing it, which will be good. Absolutely. Law reform results in greater health and safety. Absolutely. Did you find there was a lot of demand online during the COVID lockdowns for, for dominatrixes? Oh, okay. So when I got my start, one of, one of the places I trained was over the phone. I was doing phone sex as a dominatrix or phone domination. And that was fun and, and interesting. And that was people, if you imagine there's, even before lockdowns, there's always been people, especially in this country, who are isolated. So I was speaking to people who are working, doing FIFO work out in the mines or just on outback properties and didn't have much contact with the outside world. So those people have always existed, in a sense. And they would access services like mine over the phone or over the internet. Then uh, during COVID, I was um, heavily involved with uh, the Melbourne rubber community or latex community. And we would run just online gatherings once a week, just everyone hanging out in their latex and catching up and, you know, getting some online company. So that was really lovely. And that, that held our community together where other communities had fallen apart because they couldn't catch up in person anymore. Um, so that was really good and really important and I think really meaningful to a lot of people as well. Gee, you've got a great understanding of the of the history of um, being a dominatrix over the last 12 years and it sounds like you've seen so much change. Um, yeah, I'm absolutely fascinated buy it. I am very, very keen to see what's going to happen now with the, with the change in the rules. Um, I love seeing new people come through and see them grow and see them take off. But I also have such a reverence for all the women who came before me. You know, they're my, I fangirl over some of our, you know, older dominatrixes who've been around a lot longer than me. So yeah, I just got a lot of respect for, for all of the women who do this kind of work and you know, how hard they work, how hard they train um, and, you know, just the skill set needed to be able to do it is pretty um, amazing. Yeah, the training really jumps jumps out. It's almost like you have to be a kind of elite athlete, you know, um, <laughs> just to keep on top of, you know, so many changes and to read the room and to, um, you must have to be really fit to be a dominatrix. There is that. Like, I, I guess um, sometimes, sometimes some professional dominatrixes are employed to work three or four hours at a time, sometimes longer. I, I, can, uh, I can attest to the fact that floggers' elbow is a thing. Um, <laughs> um, if I spend a whole evening at an event just um, spanking different people, I would, have, I would have a sore arm for the rest of the week. Absolutely. Wow. And then there's the outfits you wear. You're in the highest of heels and the tightest of corsets or, you know, 
wearing leather or latex, um, and that takes it out of you as well. Well, the latex and the leather would get really hot, wouldn't it? It does. Especially if you're spanking people, like, you know, the physical exertion of all of that. Yes, absolutely. And often a dominatrix is very much fully clothed. That's part of the role. Part of being that dominant is being the one that's fully clothed. It's it's sort of part of the, the role. So yeah, there's no there's no real dressing down when you're a dominatrix. You've got to look the part. It sounds like you're of the view that demand for your services or for the industry is going to get bigger. I think so. Gosh, it's hard. Again, when you look at history, we go through waves of um, sort of being more liberal, sexual, sexually, and then becoming more Puritan. Um, but I think, in general, our lives are getting more hectic. We're all under more stress. We're all working harder. So this idea that you can go to a dominatrix for some relief or um, just some some space to be yourself and let go, I think I would love to think that more and more people will catch on to the idea that this is a very worthwhile and legitimate way to um, almost get a bit of therapy. Yeah, absolutely. It does sound very therapeutic. Yeah, I think so. Jane, congratulations on the book. It's called The Dominatrix Next Door. Um, It's a fascinating read. Uh, It's published by Melbourne Books. Uh, Mistress Jane, thank you so much for chatting with us today on 3CR. It's been fascinating. It's been fun. Thank you, James. In Your Face would like to thank Thorn Harbour Health for their sponsorship of this program. Thorn Harbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities, a future without HIV, and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more, search Thorn Harbour Health on your search engine or Facebook.